Chaz. Welcome back to the show. So exciting. I just got out of the water, David Lee. That's how surfy I am right now. Just got out of the water. You're killing me. That's why you were trying to reschedule our meeting. Exactly. <laughs> how was it? Well, Santana is playing very loudly. Uh, really r- ripping off all the greatest hits out there. So it was a bit much Santana for me. But other than that, it was fun. Are you talking about the Santa Ana wins? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, gotcha. The locals might pick up the reference, but everybody else around the world will not. The Santa Ana winds are a offshore wind that happens in the fall, essentially, and they can be like 30 mile an hour, just straight offshore gusts. Um, was there swell, though? There was, and it's, I think it's building swell. So mm-hmm. had a couple fun ones. You know when you're like really grinding, trying to grind into a wave and the wind's holding you up? Do you like that feeling? No, it's terrible. It really is terrible. But I was on my Devin Howard mid-length, and so I was able to overcome. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, I, thought, I thought if I was on a shorty, I would have got blown right out. You were saying you're, are, you're surfing a lot right now? I actually am. How good does that feel? So good. Good. I've really, I've, I'm, I'm on a real microdose. Uh, drop kid off at school, go like catch three waves, Perfect. and then get to work. Are you participating in that three-wave challenge? No. Is that a thing happening right now? It is. Damn it. I really hate, I hate having a mustache in the month of no- November. And I hate, I hate any challenge at all. I hate the ice bucket challenge. I hate every single one of them. Me too. What is the three-wave challenge raising awareness for? I don't think it is actually raising awareness. It's just like, hey, we're all getting middle-aged or older. Let's hold each other accountable to do this thing. That makes me sick to my stomach. Well, the funny thing is when somebody sent it to me, I was like, I would probably go surfing every day, but now that you've like mandated this challenge, I'm just not going to do it. Like I'm against it. I feel so bad. I wonder if people in the lineup are watching me catch my three waves and go in and say, look at that guy. On your mid-length? Yeah, he's been living a healthy lifestyle. (laughs) He's he's reached middle age, he's on his mid-length. Yeah, I've actually been surfing more on my little album 20 though. Oh, really? I've been getting shorty, yeah. Nice. I've got, I supposedly have one coming. Um, I got fins for it and everything. I just haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to try that and review it for listeners too. Very fun. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, by the way, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but since you're talking about surfing, I have to 18 days ago, there was a conversation on Reddit and I never go on Reddit, but some listeners sent it to me and he goes, some fodder for your next episode. Chaz popped up on Reddit where a user questions his surf skill. Rory Parker then opines that he's basically a Val. This spawns the question for the need for a surf journalist surf off featuring, of course, Chaz versus Ashton. Please discuss for our amusement. Um, oh, sure. I would, I would beat Rory. I would smoke Rory in a heat. Uh, I'd lose to Ashton. Mm. Well, uh, I've never seen Rory surf. How do you have such confidence? Mm, I just know what he, he rides performance longboards mm. and I think he sucks. I, I think he's like out of shape and shitty. And so I would, I think Rory Parker cannot surf a shortboard. So even if we were on mids, I would smoke me some Rory Parker. Ashton, I would get smoked by. Yeah. Ashton surfs well. Uh, I mean, with, this is a conversation. Apparently the person that sent it probably hasn't caught in the past, but we've had this conversation in the past. Yeah. And I, I think on top of the heap are, in terms of quote surf journalists, Mikey Ciamarella, Sam McIntosh, Nick Carroll, uh, 
I yeah, Nick, Nick Carroll, Sean Doherty. Yeah. And then, and then you know, there's probably mid-tier guys, which maybe you and I could include ourselves in that. No, and I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be at the bottom. Okay. Not at the bottom. very bottom. I'd be in the bottom tier of ability. That's the dang thing, though, is like all fine and good, but we've talked about this ad nauseum, too, is why do you have to surf good to be able to speak about surfing? That's really what the question is. Also, and being a Val is when you started surfing, a vulnerable adult learner, I started as a kid. So my sucking is even more profound. The fact that I've been doing it my entire life. I had a, ha- I had a conversation with somebody yesterday or earlier. It was on Thanksgiving, actually, around Thanksgiving, uh, about the term Val. And I don't think a lot of people understand the genesis of it. Like anybody who says Val now thinks of vulnerable adult learner. But yeah. when we were kids, Val meant you were from the Valley in LA. Derek Riley took the English language and wrangled it into a whole new meaning. So is, lexicon. is he responsible for vulnerable adult learner? Yeah, Derek came up with, with okay. vulnerable adult learner. Okay, well, see, now I'm educated. Yeah. I knew what it meant. I just didn't know Derek was the first guy that started using it. Derek Riley. Um, Okay, so the question though, if you don't have to be a good surfer to be a good quote surf journalist, you at least have to be a surfer. Oh like, yeah, of course. I, I don't think you can be, you can really understand the sport without doing it all of the time and even better doing it for decades on end. I mean, whether, the- whether or not you develop a proficiency at it, I think is the part that doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. I would argue that uh, you can't be, or it'd be difficult to be a Val surf journalist. Like I think growing up with surf as your North Star yeah. uh, is important for the craft of surf journalism. So I would argue that, yeah, the ability doesn't matter. It's just how long you have surfed. Right. Doing the hard yards, like it being the priority in your life and sacrificing a bunch of stuff for it really does then kind of create a certain mindset and worldview. Completely. Okay, well, let's get into it. Uh, we have a couple of huge news stories this week. Um, firstly, I guess we should follow up and give some feedback uh, as a thank you to people for subscribing. We launched a subscription service kind of mid-month or at the beginning of the month. And if I'm going to re, I've kind of taken the advertising off the program for this last few weeks just so I could delineate the two different feeds and make sure that um, people, are you know, yeah, people are getting an ad-free experience if they're going to pay for it. But anyways, I'm going to reintroduce advertising next week. So if you, the listener, want to listen to Chaz and I pitching BetterHelp Counseling and Manscaped, then you can stay right here and listen to the podcast for free or give us five bucks a month and subscribe. You'll get an ad-free experience, full access to the archives, win surfboards, et cetera. Stick it to Manscaped. Stick it to them. Nobody believed that you were actually using that product anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stand by betterhelp.com. A lot of people will need it and they're a great sponsor for 2021. But if you, the listener, uh, and by the way, for any listeners who want to benefit from promo codes and all that, I've got that all on our website anyway, so you can still access the benefits of it. You just don't have to listen to Chaz and I regurgitate the same ad over and over. Um, And by the way, that five bucks will go a lot farther towards increasing the quality of this show. I want to, I want to do like, um, at the end of every uh, event, maybe even live during the finals and following, like rolling into a post show, 
you and I, let's get Maurice Cole on, let's get Derek on and we'll do it really professionally. We'll use, we'll pay for a service better than Zoom and like really offer an alternative commentary stream. 100%. That's exciting. Exciting days ahead. Well, those things cost money, dude. That stream costs money and we got to pay. If we're going to have like Maurice or even Derek on, we got to pay him. So. true. true. Um, uh, also regarding the subscription thing, we gave away an album soft top yesterday, mm. Graham, Graham Walzer. He's a Los Angeles photographer. He's been a long time donor to this show. He's been donating on PayPal for years now, maybe even since the beginning. So Graham Walzer won the album soft top. That is phenomenal. Did you, did you draw names out of a hat? They have this wheel of fortune function on the internet for free where I just copy and paste all the names in puts them up on the little spinning wheel and you click it and it spins and randomly selects a winner. Wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Uh, well, it's great that a, that a long time supporter of one. I know. I honestly I don't believe in karma, but it sounds karmic. Totally. Uh, it doesn't always work that way, but it certainly did this time. We have merch coming. I can't wait. I saw a, are you really going to make that hat? That hat's made. Oh, that's so <laughs> exciting. <laughs> So this was, this came from a listener. The idea was you've softened in the recent years. So we want to make Chaz grit again. And it's a full knockoff of the Trump hat. It's embroidered, but it's a black hat with white uh, stitching. So you can find those on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Probably within a week or two, we'll obviously let listeners know. And then I sent you logo designs a while ago. We're doing a Fox News logo knockoff for the grit. Really like it. I think that was Chris Cote's idea originally. Yeah, we, I feel that we've gone away from the sort of alt-right, which maybe to promote that shirt, I should start spewing uh, more hard-right talking points. I agree. Well, that's part Election of making you grit again. It's part of making you grit again. Yeah, it's true. Right. So it all, it all falls in line <laughs> together. So all that merch is coming. Okay, so a couple of huge news topics. One is the start of the 2021 season at Pipeline. But you and I are going to start off with Surfline's $30 million investment. Wow. What did you think when you read that? Did you read this news? I did. Okay. Uh, I think it's a phenomenal thing. Sure. I'm going to, but specifically because of the people that are investing in the company and the work that they've done in the past. Do you know what percent they own of Surfline with that infusion? I do not. And I could not find that information anywhere. So- I was trying to figure out what Surfline's full valuation would be if 30 million, yeah, what percentage of the company that is. Take, uh, make a guess. What do you think? I mean, to me, it would be like all of it, but clearly it wasn't. because it was- <laughs> I think they got overpaid times three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who even knows what their revenues are, right? They don't disclose how many subscribers they have. We have no idea how much ad revenue they're doing. So it's pretty difficult for us to figure out from the outside. This, the story was, though, highlighted that this uh, was the company's name. They did it again. That uh, the Chernin Group, TG, TCG. The Chernin Group, uh, this whole thing is about subscribers and having a subscriber base. And so they own other properties with subscribers. Surfline has subscribers uh, who are buying the product. So yeah. off it goes. And I think that's where, or from my reading of it, that's where the investment is going, is back into making better webcams, yeah. like making the subscriber experience better, not into content or media. So I'll give listeners a quick rundown. Um, 
TCG. It's a venture affiliate of the Churnin Group that invests in media, entertainment, and tech business. It's investing $30 million in Surfline, a media company that is focused on surfing coverage and live wave and weather forecasts for surfers. This all comes from Axios, by the way. So the big picture is that the churn-in for churn-in, the investment follows a similar pattern, like you mentioned, of investing in niche content businesses that don't rely on advertising. So uh, they invested $50 million last year in the hunting media brand Meat Eater. Are you familiar with Meat Eater? I, I am. I, I think just from getting served stuff in my Apple news feed, sometimes I will catch a meat eater article. Which is honestly probably part of TCG's investment because you weren't getting those fed yeah. to you the previous year. So that becomes relevant for um, our conversation. But TCG also took a majority stake in Food 52, a home and food site for $83 million last year. This week, it was just announced that Hodinkee, which is a watch blog, like a luxury watch blog, just got $40 million investment. Some of that is from TCG. Tom Brady is one of the investors in that group as well. Uh, other brands that they've worked with in the past are Barstool Sports, Pandora, Surfline, of course, is privately held, headquartered in uh, Huntington Beach, California. They have employees around the country. Uh, the business is, Surfline's business, nine, $9.99 monthly subscription, a little bit of advertising. Uh, company says that it has an audience of over 3 million people, but of course it doesn't disclose how many of those people pay for a subscription. The money will be used in part to improve Surfline's technology arm, which powers uh, obviously swell and weather modeling. They have a new CEO as part of this deal, which I think is kind of interesting. His name is Kyle Laughlin. He was the SVP at Disney for global games and apps. And then most recently, he was working for Amazon on the Alexa gadgets. So he works in that space. It's kind of tangential. Um, in terms of the products that those companies were using compared to what Surfline is using. But maybe not anymore. Maybe, I mean, if it's all going to up the quality of the app, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And he, by the way, Laughlin told Axios, kind of what you said, that his goal is to do what TGC has done, TCG has done, um, which is to kind of line up several lines of revenue tied to the loyalty of the hyper niche audience and then they hope to one day venture into commerce, which I think is kind of interesting. But I can reference, so Meat Eater and Barstool Sports, by the way, which is one of their other investments, are two things that I really wouldn't have followed. Like I don't hunt. I don't really follow ball sports, but I now do. And I actually watch Meat Eater, which is um, started with a television program on the Sportsman channel. And now it's on Netflix. Netflix bought a bunch of the seasons. I watch that show. It's super compelling. And I'm fascinated by, they teach you about, you know, migration patterns of the animals and how to butcher the animal in the field and all of the hardship that comes with a hunt. And I'm still not inclined to hunt, but it's fascinating to me, the non-user. And same with Barstool Sports. I wouldn't have sought out Barstool Sports, but through probably this investment, they've kind of created these, all these different tentacles and arms out into my world. And they're posting funny videos. They have uh, kind of acerbic commentary on whatever it is that the basketball player did that was crazy. And they deliver it to me in a funny way that's a concise package. And now I'm a follower of it. And I look forward to it. Whenever Barstool Sports pops up on Instagram, I want to see it because I always have a laugh. 
we, we've been harping for, or I have been certainly for years and years of my surf journalist life on how the non-surfer will never be interested in surfing uh, and will never be interested in the, you know, the, what shoulder programming, you know, they won't be interested in any part of it. Uh, but to me, these kinds of things, like you're not a hunter, but you watch meat eater, you're don't like sticking ball sports, but you follow bar stool, which makes me think with better content, uh, you could get a non-surfing audience to follow surfing. The problem is that WSL has just punted on any good content and maybe Surfline is, even though this deal is not going to content, uh, maybe broadening, not surfing's appeal per se to have somebody go surf, even though I'm sure that's part of what they're going to be trying to do, but just getting people interested, maybe part of the play, but the, but Surfline needs a vastly superior, uh, or, or an upgrade, I think, in its in its content. Like Surfline's content, uh, you know, Surfline is great as a service, but it is its content is terrible. It's interesting because the content used to be good. Yeah, but now it's so bland and boring. It's like it's just a, such a snooze. So they're wise. I think TCG is wise to invest in the core product, which is the subscriptions, obviously, and just kind of expand upon that. But I think that the tentacles that can reach out into the community are content. So, yeah. and the fact that they were a leader in that space, uh, Surfline was a leader in the content space at one point, means that they can get back into that. And like you said, the WSL isn't great at the content side of the game other than the main events that they do. And so this actually leaves a real opportunity for Surfline to step up and to take some of that space back. Uh, what they should do, they should do an easy play and just buy Beach Grid. <laughs> some of that 30 million we could be their content arm and off we go We're i think they need i think they need a podcast network too to be honest oh completely so just come on you guys got 30 mil just you guys are there's that's the funny thing is there's absolutely no way that surfline would be able to go out and get somebody who would make any better content than they could purchase right i mean totally there's no way you're going to find somebody or bring somebody up who's going to be able to actively like it has to be a surfer like we've talked about to i think reach and understand that audience and then figure out what your sort of the stuff you can grow off that is but so everybody exists we know everybody who could help make surfline's content better i mean i love this and i agree with you we already all know the people we have them on speed we have their names programmed into our phone and their numbers and we work for cheap from that 30 million bucks, they could buy all of us and they we would all just be on the same team. We could roll up Surf Splendor and Beach Grit for what? Uh, we could roll it up for, right, they got 30 mil. I would be satisfied with, I'm gonna say seven mil. Uh, for both of us together or just for sure. Beach Grit? Yeah. Both of us together, seven yeah. mil out of 30. I'm in, Yeah, I'm in. I'm, here's the deal. I'm young. I've got a lot of energy. I could take that money, put it to good use now, and then still have plenty of time to do another passion project. I'll We've, sell out. I mean, but it wouldn't you like, that's the thing. Sur, Surfline is positioned. If they could figure out uh, media, they would be positioned to not only, I mean, to basically own surfing, to do yeah. what the World Surf League thought that they were going to do under, under the Ziff regime. Like hundred percent. Surfline could start doing contests. They could start. I mean, they could do anything. Well, so this is 
I agree with you. This is a huge opportunity for Surfline. They have the right people backing them. I mean, again, using Meat Eater as a counterpoint, hunting is brutal and grotesque. Like to convert non-hunters to actually care about butchering an elk is kind of impossible, you would think. And but the I fact wonder, that- I wonder if, if the grotesqueness though makes it, gives it some kind of appeal, right? Where surfing doesn't have Maybe. something that's grotesque, but surfing does have something that's beautiful and aspirational. I way mean, way, I mean, if you just looked at it on paper, surfing is way easier to sell than hunting. Yeah. You know, to a broad audience that doesn't do it. Sure. Um, even though there's probably more hunters in the world than there are surfers. Well, so what I like about uh, this is it seems with all the examples that I've given for this company's investments that they stay true to the core business and its core offerings. So Meat Eater still has, and by the way, keeps the founders involved. So Meat Eater still has Steve Rinella at the forefront of that brand as the spokesperson of the brand. I don't know what the guy's name is who owns Barstool, but he's still the guy posting selfie videos shot in his home office on his own iPhone, giving you the minute update every day on Instagram. And by the way, doing it kind of off the cuff. It's not as if there's a team of producers and lawyers uh, designing the script for him to make sure he doesn't overstep anything. Which, so is why, I, which is what people originally loved about Barstool Sports is it was the counterpoint to ESPN and right. sort of packaged sports programming. So they've been able to grow the business around that core model. So I think that's exactly what the surf world needed. Uh, so as not to step on the core audience, which has always been the problem. This is kind of just like get behind the core, create more tentacles out into the community and fund it and let them do their thing. So I think this is a great thing. Me too. I'm, I was excited and yeah, I think it'll, it'll infuse, I mean, just even that cash infusion into yeah. anything surf is great. Totally. I'm going to start spending that seven mil, by the way. I'm starting to you fantasize. Should. You should. You should. Start I mean, looking at Lisa Maserati. It'd be honestly a no oh, stinking Maseratis. It'd be a no <laughs> it'd be a no brainer for uh Surfline though to, really to like pull it. up Beach Grit and Surfliner. Just gotta say. Totally. Fully agree. And by the way, I'm committed to the workload. I will do oh, what yeah. Steve Rinella's doing at Meat Eater. I will do 20 podcasts a week if that's what's required for that seven million bucks. The hard yards. Why are you anti-Maserati? Um, imagine you, I mean, it's just crazy to me that you would buy a Maserati over a Porsche. They're the same price. Um, the, who's the Maserati person? Like, if you want an Italian car, you get a stinking Ferrari or a Lamborghini. You don't get a Maserati. I think those are different price points. I think Ferrari and Lambo are twice the price. At sure, least. Then, then don't get a damn Italian car. Uh, a German car. So are you just a huge Porsche fan? Is that where this is? I am, a, I am a huge Porsche fan, but I think Porsche is so vastly superior to Maserati uh, in every single way. And if you can get them both for the same price, what would possess you to buy a Maserati? What's your favorite luxury car? Uh, Porsche. Yeah. I mean, I am a Porsche guy, but also I think, I think Porsche, I would love for a listener to show me how Maserati is any good. Um how many Porsches have you owned? I have owned zero Porsches, but the wife has owned three or four Porsches. In the time that you've been with her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite make and model, or what's your favorite model? Oh, the Panamera. Really? Yes. 
It is so good. I mean, the 911 classic. But if I was, I am, once I get my seven million, my share of the seven mil, uh, I want to buy a 914. The real, we've talked about that, the real janky little Porsche. Love it. Um, so the reason why you and I are talking about this is because uh, I forget his name, but give me the, give me the story. The, uh, there was, I think it's Louis Kealoha and his wife, Catherine, I do believe, uh, were, he was the Honolulu chief police and his wife was a deputy prosecutor. Um, and they just got, uh, sent to jail, officially sent, sent off to jail. She for 13 years, he for seven for massive corruption scandal in all of, all of Oahu. But yeah, like framing people and bilking people out of money. It was, it was pretty wild. The details are, are pretty fantastic. But the funny part about it was that I remember Eddie Rothman, back when I was writing Welcome to Paradise, talking about that corruption. And I was like, this sounds pretty fantastic. fantastical. This doesn't sound like it's probably super accurate. It's just Eddie, you know, being hyperbolic with this story. But turns out, no, Eddie was downplaying it. The corruption was absolutely massive. Yeah. Massive. A massive corruption story. And he, so that, um, that story's been developing for a couple of years, but ultimately the verdict just came in and they received their sentences. And one of the things that they were doing with that money was making Maserati payments. Exactly. She was buying a Maserati. And I was just, I was even thinking about owning a Maserati on Oahu. Is there a dealership there? I mean, they can't, so they, they had to have shipped it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you ship in your Maserati and now you're just cruising around. Like if you're really bilking people, I mean, to me, the Maserati is the crime of the whole thing. Totally. Like if you are ripping people off blindly, then why are you buying a Maserati? What possessed you? I don't know. We got to do a ranking, a stack ranking of worst car expenditures, like the most expensive cars that are like completely the wrong purchase. I would throw Hummer in that. Like if you're not in the military, a Hummer is the stupidest possible car you could buy. Hummer though, I will say is age, not that like H3 and H2 when they got like compact and weird, but the original Arnold Schwarzenegger Hummer when I see one of those driving down the street these days, I think, ah, oh, good for that person. That guy needs a cigar in his mouth and he needs to be a bodybuilder. That's the only way I'll let that pass. Sure. But it's next time you see a Hummer, just let the, let the love rise in your heart for the Hummer. Okay. It's functional, but that cannot be comfortable inside that thing. I mean, it's like a football field wide. I'm sure you, you're like shouting at the person in the passenger seat. And the acoustics have to be terrible in there. It's like a square box of hard material. It's probably Ooh. all steel. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a bummer. Even though it looks cool, is the Mercedes G wagon is a huge bummer. See, I don't even think those look cool. The boxy Mercedes. Yeah. I mean, even if you think it looks cool, what inside? It's an honest to goodness rattle trap. Like, and they're and they're super so expensive. Loud. Yeah, they're crazy expensive. I think they're a hundred and ten base. Yeah. And those things rattle, and they're. Yeah, they like the wind is just blowing through all the seams there. It is not a comfortable ride. It's weird what people do for status symbols, right? Yeah. Uh, because like you said, you could just use that money to buy something that is equal status and is way more functional, way cooler, exactly. way better looking. Faster, like every, every part of ticks every box. Uh, what I like about your Porsche play is Porsche may, has maintained the same aesthetic 
for decades on it since the beginning until now while still updating style. Sure. Like you you look at an old Porsche, just the profile of it. And it's the same profile as a new Porsche. Only the new one looks way newer. You know, I would, I would put Porsche up in design and everything. I mean, I'll dare a listener to come at me with a better car than a Porsche. I mean, as as a design house, like right up there with Apple and whatever else, like really amazing. Uh, Okay. So here's my argument for the best vehicle for the cheapest price that'll go the longest miles and the most different, most terrain. You'll appreciate this from the Middle East, the Toyota Hilux or Helix. the, uh, the, The Hilux, I, it frustrates me so badly that they don't sell Hiluxes in the States. I want to I import one. I mean, you, I think they sell them in Mexico. I think it'd be super easy. I don't know what the fees are of driving your new car across the border. But yeah, I, don't, I do not know why Toyota does not make Hilux or Helux, whatever it is. Is it Hilux or Helux? I don't know. Hilux probably. But I don't know why they don't make them in the United States. Do you think the Mexico one is the same as the Middle Eastern one? Yeah, it is. It's the same. You know, like a German Mercedes is different than our Mercedes. Yeah, I mean, it, or it appears to be the same from what I've seen. But the the best ones are the older ones, right? The yeah. older Hilux, like a, a early two thousands or yeah. the nineties Hilux, so awesome. So those things honestly are designed for uh, the desert in the Middle East, and they go four hundred thousand miles all that you need to do is put gas in oil change the oil put gas in it or diesel or what it probably runs on diesel actually um and they're cheap it's yeah. crazy it's like they manufactured a car that doesn't break down and will go forever and then realize that's a bad business model and you want people to actually have to pay the maintenance and servicing and uh buy a new one and so they ditched it you know or didn't didn't introduce it to us it's really sad. It's really sad. I think even Europe has it. I think Europeans have their Hilux. I do too. We got to get on that. Yeah. It doesn't come with a lot of status. That's the problem. I mean, man, if I saw Hilux here, I would crank my neck 360 degrees checking it out. Because you know that person knows something and they've been some places. Of course. Um, all right. So we've got the start of the 2021 season. This is the 50th anniversary of the Pipe Masters. Tuesday, the 8th, looks to be the large, which is the first day of the um, window to run the event. It looks to be the largest day in the swell forecast. Looks like the swell is actually going to hit a day or two prior, clear out all the sand, and the 8th should be the biggest day within the window. It'll probably be contestable on the 9th and the 10th. Then there'll be some more surf around the 12th to the 14th, it looks like. This will be a broadcast only event. Permits are being granted as a non-spectator film production rather than a surf contest. This is the first event of the 2021 season. So Chaz, what are your opening thoughts? You know, I didn't think I was going to be excited for the return of pro surfing, but having dredged the very bottom of the internet barrel for surf stories, it's going to be very, very fun to have the best surfers in the world back in the best-ish waves. I'm excited. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. I mean, your initial, I think, um, being against starting the season at Pipe, do you think differently about that now? No, I just wanted to start. I mean, to me, yeah. it's, it's they, sh- they should – I don't know, again, why they did that and why that was there. Because that was even their – 
move pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I still don't understand that. Pipe to me is the culmination. It is the perfect historical place to end the tour. You got to throw it all on the line, a wave of consequence, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, no, I don't like that they're starting there, but I just like that it's starting. I think that it, it's actually fortunate that we're starting there because there couldn't be a more exciting start. Whether or not it was a good decision pre-COVID, you know, doesn't even matter at this point. It is starting there, and this is a spectacular way to kick off the year. Uh, I, th- I have a bunch of questions and concerns COVID-related. Like, is everybody going to make it? Are all the competitors going to make it? Well, I mean, the crazy thing now, even, you know, last time we even spoke of this, like the NFL is basically having to shut down, or they haven't shut down yet, but it's really on the kind of, I don't know, the uh, in the danger zone of just having to shut the whole season where I was thinking before, like, come on, NBA did their thing, NFL is doing their thing, college football is doing their thing, but apparently now it's all caught up. And so with, you know, NFL being in real trouble, college games getting canceled every week. So it seems like surfing is going to start right in the middle of at least the competitive sport landscape getting shuttered again. So I heard, received a DM, gossip, rumor, completely unsubstantiated. But so much of our rumors, like they come straight from the source, you know what I mean? Or like one degree removed from the source that we have to qualify it as an unsubstantiated rumor. But it's pretty much and a lot of them come to fruition. Yeah. And the person was saying, um, ultimately, Dirk Ziff is tired of cutting checks and COVID really exasperated his interest in maintaining this thing. And the revenue model that they're pursuing kind of coming out of COVID looks pretty grim and doesn't look like it's gonna be, he's gonna be able to justify the expense anymore. So 2021 is going to be a half-assed season. Like they're gonna just like, well, we're commit, we're supposed to be doing this, let's just put one foot in front of the other, but there's almost no chance of Zerk, uh, Ziff being involved in 2022. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy rumor right there. It is. Oh, and, and by the way, I went on to look at the tour schedule for this year. G-Land has mysteriously disappeared off the oh, schedule. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so a couple things here. So if this is true, I mean, I guess at some point, like anything, at some point you just get sick of something and you're over it. And there's never a right time to get out at that point, right? I mean, the right time, obviously hindsight 2020, right time for Ziff to get out would have been five years ago would have been like two years after he started (laughs) exactly like looking at the landscape i mean really seeing elo come in and promise what he promised and then have to pivot away from that model of we're going to be you know yeah we're going to have a tour but the best part about what we're going to do is going to be our programming yeah and to see nothing become of any of that you would have had to have thought would have been okay like if then, because they've totally pivoted back now, we are a tour, right? That's yeah. their, we are a professional sports tour where you're just praying to someone like, I don't know, who, who, ten, who was it about Surfline? TCG. Yeah. Churning group. You throw, throw us some money too. Let's roll in Beach Grit, World Surf League, and Surf Splendor under Surfline. There we go. We got it yeah. all. The problem is, uh, 
Surfline has a solid, loyal revenue model of subscribers. So it's a good investment for the churning group. They could build off that. The WSL has been grasping for revenue in different ways and pivoting and then giving a half-assed attempt and then pivoting the other way and going back to what they originally thought, buying a wave pool. You know, like Hindsight 2020, do you think that they should have, or if you were them, would you have said, we got to make the subscriber like basically day one, we're going to, we're going to shed some, you know, eyeballs initially, but if we make a good enough tour, those people will complain and then they will, they will, you know, pay the whatever, nine ninety nine a month for professional surf. I don't know. I mean, I don't know of another model that exists that way for professional sports tours. I mean, well, like, you know, NBA.com and all that, you don't get it. You get none of it for free. You get a couple of free games maybe on your networks. But other than that, if you want to watch basketball, you're paying somewhere you're paying money. You're either paying ESPN and then ESPN is paying the NBA or you're paying NBA TV, you know, like, so it's more or less a freemium model. They'll give you a couple of free games. But, but the the core of their business is broadcasting on national television for, you know, uh, with advertising all of the season. I don't, I don't know that it is though, because that's, they only, they only broadcast a couple games. Really? Yeah. I guess only, I don't follow it close enough. Yeah. You like, if you're, if I'm watching, if I'm a Lakers fan, which I am a Lakers fan, I will get maybe, maybe, I don't even know. Let's, let's say 15 games a year out of the 50 or whatever they play. Right. And yeah. so uh, if I want then to watch more games, then I either have to, you know, get ESPN, which will give me a few more, or if I want them all, I have to get the league pass from right. NBA TV, which is, you know, whatever it is. So 60 bucks or whatever. I'm totally throwing out nonsense numbers right now. It's one of the things I do best. But anyway, it is a freemium model where yeah. surfing could have done, surfing could have given pipe, broadcast pipe for free, you know, but then you've got to buy the league pass for the rest of them. Yeah. And as you're saying that I'm realizing the example I've given over and over for the last five years is the UFC. And that is pay-per-view. That's the pay-per-view model. You get zero. I mean, you get, and the fights you get for free, you can get some for free on ESPN or whatever, or I think broadcast TV too, but uh, you know, you get the real down card fights for free. Right. And, and that by the way, was introduced later. The original model yeah. was pay-per-view. And, and so, yeah, I, yes. To answer your question now that I've thought it through, Yes, they should have been a subscription model. And the fact that they were ever pursuing a, we'll give it away for free on our website. That's the other thing is they never had the deals with the networks in the first place. It was always only on their website, worldsurfleague.com. And so why wouldn't you charge for that? Would you uh, pay? I mean, that's the problem is UFC. It's, you know, there's a start time and a finish time more or less where surfing, you don't know. But if like, would you... Say this first day, if they if the swell window is looking epic for the eighth, would you pay-per-view uh, on your TV, you know, broadcast in high quality? Uh, would you would you pay-per-view pro surfing? Hundred percent. What would you what would you spend for day one of pipe? Uh, well assuming it's, assuming it's epic. Assuming you know forecast says great surf. I, I guess I mean what would I spend? What is my threshold? Yeah, I mean, do, I don't do you know. buy UFC fights? I don't. I have a couple of times. I generally don't. Um, I could watch the highlights on Twitter, you know, that night within minutes. But I would pay, I don't know, 
10 bucks or something for, for an event, maybe more. I mean, I paid 10 bucks for the stab 100 event. Um, I mean, I think ultimately you buy a season pass, right? So what's the number for the season pass? And maybe that's a hundred bucks a year, 120 bucks a year for 12 events. So it'd be 10 bucks event, 10 bucks per event. But I think that's reasonable. I think that's a reasonable number. I don't know if they could run their business on that number, but if they added on sponsors, they should be able to figure out a way to make it work. But, but back to the, back to the reality, not not hindsight. So, so if uh, he's over it and they half asked this year, that would mean that if you can't get there because of COVID, you can't get there because of COVID big deal. We're still going to run it. Like we don't care. You know, if all the Brazilians aren't there for an event, I guess tough beam, that's the way it is. So that's what they're going to do. That's what is the suggestion is they'll do the best they can run out as many surfers as they can and uh, at as many stops as they can. Ones that get shut down, who cares? Surfers can't come, who cares? We're just finishing this season. I think it could just slow, like they'll just run out of gas. It'll slowly trickle to an end. And yeah. by the way, all the all the while, it, it appears Elo is probably telling Ziff, hey man, we've got this deal with ABC. The ultimate surfer is coming. That's going to be this like fire starter that's going to change everything. And there's probably one or two other deals as well. But too little, too late, you know. Does that thing have an Does that thing have an air air date yet? Not that I know of. Uh, so, I agree. They finished filming, I think, right? So they yeah. theoretically should have a. I'm gonna have to look at look at that, but yeah. I I think again, you look at uh, if their business. So, I think they, if Ziff is willing to keep it going for another three to five years, they need to pivot back to events events are what they're good at. The content has not been great that they've generated since this takeover. And there's too many other, like, uh, unless they, I don't know, like I watched, um, John, John Florence, Tokyo rising. Yes. The kid kills it, right? He's got like this small team. Parallel C is the name of the production company that just puts out stellar, work and they stay in their lane. John, John is their lane. They stay true to his interests. Uh, so sometimes it's a little sailing movie. Sometimes it's surfing. This one was about him trying to qualify for Tokyo last year and they put it on Amazon prime. It's like they work the right deal. They elevate the, the art in terms of great surf film appeals to the masses. Cause it's related to Tokyo, the Olympics, and then we'll put it on a platform. We'll do a deal where we're going to get paid because it's sponsored by Cliff Bar and they're selling it to Amazon Prime and that'll reach the largest audience. It's just very kind of narrow focus. We're in our lane. We know what we're doing. Here's our goal. And they work towards the goal. And it's better content than what the WSL puts out. Like I watched every minute of it and I was compelled by it. And the surfing's phenomenal, you know? It's crazy. And the fact that he's a world surf league surfer that they're yeah. unable, unable to utilize more or less, even though he's, I mean, yeah, it's not like John, John is Dane Reynolds that he's off doing his own thing completely. He is a CT surfer. And by the way, WSL had credits on that. It was like in association with, and I think what that was, was they didn't have any creative con- um, input, but they used footage from WSL events. Yeah. So in the, in the film. Uh, and then when it comes to, by the way, quality content, 
Nathan Florence's blog is killer too. And Jamie O'Brien's blog is killer too. Like there's people doing it kind of self generated stuff. That's really good. Um, I have a couple of stalker observations in regards to this pipe event kicking off. I've been tracking some of the top athletes movements and seeing, training, seeing when they get on the flights, etc. seeing when they get on the flights. Yeah. What they do once they land, uh, Julian Wilson just showed up. Looks like he's on the golf course. Okay. So in Island on course, not in the water is from what I could tell. And importantly, he really looks to have committed to family life back home. Did, did, did you see a little gut on him? <laughs> no, but he's raising two kids. He's got a newborn um, and a, you know, happy wife, a toddler and a newborn. And it's great. It's like, awesome. Do the dad thing, especially in the year of COVID. Why not spend time with family, which he's got more time at home probably in this year than he's had in 10 years put together. Was, but, he, on the, was he on the golf course with the family? No, it looks like family stayed home. Okay. So if you're betting, Ooh, and people should bet at the Survival League. At yep. the, uh, there's actual money to be won at the Survival League. So you would you would not put your money, you would not put Julian Wilson as your pipe winner. I would not. No, he's a pipe master. He's well qualified to, but just based on, I mean, and by the way, there's a there's a bunch of other surfers that I'm uh, measuring him against. So when I look at the work ethic and uh i don't know who's been spending time in the water like idolo ferrer i wouldn't put julian julian will lose against idolo he will lose against gabe he will lose against is i don't Idolo, know is idolo on island idolo's been there for like a month now and oh. dude he surfed waimea yesterday so so idolo for the win okay so now that my question with idolo is too much surfing could you i mean he's in nazare last month he's in surfing giant waves being towed in. Then he's surfing YMA yesterday. He's punting the biggest airs of anybody when the waves are small. Could you either too much surfing or too much like a variety of surfing? Should he be focused on pipeline is the question, I guess. I'm going to say no, but I'm going to also say back in the day of Ryan Sheckler really dominate, or I don't know if he ever dominated skateboarding, but was a dominant figure in skateboarding. Ryan Sheckler could not help himself but to go as big as he could always and ended up always hurt. So I would think right. that your risk with an Idolo is that he gets injured. Not that he not that he burns out or not that his surfing he has a bulldog stance at pipe because he's been surfing Waimea. Uh, I, I would imagine that he just sees a section that he can't help but hit and he hits it and gets hurt. Which is John John, the reason why John John was out last year. Yeah. And John John, I wonder if having that sort of in the back of your mind and John John, because of took, like, I thought John John was completely indifferent to the Olympics, but it seems like he really did care about making the team and going yeah, right totally. for Tokyo rising. And so I wonder if John John has a, a bit of a longer term uh, game here of like, okay, I was young once I could do, you know, I did everything I, you know, and then I blew out my knee. And so I'm going to, take it back a little bit, which I think the greatest athletes for the longest time sort of have that ability, right? Like your yeah. Tom Brady's, your Kelly Slater's, your, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, who's a stinking tennis player? Uh, Swiss dude. Nadal? Well, I mean both of them, Nadal and the Swiss, Swiss bro. I told but, you, uh, I don't follow ball sports. Something about 
like holding back a bit uh, in order to be the best you can be, which sounds awful and something I would never preach. I always like the person who just goes big and blows up. Well, but, look, yeah, so I agree with you. I like that person too. And I always um, criticize Martin Potter for telling people to surf at 70% on air. But if you are starting the season and at snapper previously, and you're on your very first wave and your thought is I'm going to do the biggest air of my life on this wave, the odds are against you for executing that. And it doesn't matter in your first heat. So you do have to have, and maybe the goal isn't, you know, uh, I want to have like, if your goal is, let's say I want to beat Kelly Slater's 12 world titles, you start treating your entire life differently. It doesn't even matter about that one wave because you're now every piece of food you put in your body, every cross training thing, every, all of that changes your worldview shifts. And I agree with you. That is kind of what John John appears to be doing. He doesn't have this ferocity because it's a much longer goal and you can't have that level of ferocity on every single wave. How does how has John John been looking? Have you been stalking John on Insta? John's quiet on social media. He always has been, but I think that him dropping Tokyo Rising, you know, a week or two prior to the pipe event is strategic. A little shot across the bow. I think so. I mean, I watched that and I was like, I, first of all, was reminded how phenomenally well he surfs. You, Gabriel Medina, would watch that video and think, "Holy cow, John John's I mean, gnarly." I mean, so building excitement for the year, I feel with a healthy John John and on fire Idolo, a Gabriel Medina, how's Gabe looking in your stocking? Uh, Gabe dropped a new watch from Rip Curl and he's kissing his girlfriend a lot. Uh-oh. <laughs> dun, dun. That doesn't bode well for, is Gabe, is, can you tell if he's in, in Hawaii or not? He just arrived in Hawaii, as far as I could tell, within the last 48 hours. But I haven't seen him surfing. Um, he posted a sunset shot. You know, he doesn't. I think he kind of keeps his cards close to his vest when it comes to surfing. The watch looks cool, though. Well, does it? <laughs> it kind of does. I had, a, yeah. I had a rip curl watch once, and it honestly and truly broke within like 20 days or something. Oh, like, really? I, just, I think I had even two or three, and all of them broke so quick that it was. I thought. A, why am I buying Rip Curl watches? And B, that's a bummer. Well, I'm going to speculate on Gabe. This is not based on any hearsay or personal connection. Gabe, to me, is John Jones to the UFC. I mean, honestly, the most talented pound-for-pound fighter. Like, he could rule the world, except he will get in his own way. He's going to end up doing a bunch of coke the night before the fight and banging you know, strippers, and then he'll get, he'll, he'll burn himself out because there's this rare combination of having like that level of talent and then also being um, thrilled with yourself and with all the opportunities ahead of you. I feel like John John isn't that thrilled with himself or all the opportunities ahead of him. He's just happy to do the thing. And I feel like Gabe is a little more subject to those external pressures and I don't know where Idolo stands in that equation. He seems to just be like over frothed and wants to surf, but Gabe seems to be a little too preoccupied. Uh, what about, have you been looking at the dark horse, Philippe Toledo? No, I have not because 
he doesn't even register for me when it comes to pipe. So if it's big pipe, you don't get kicked out anymore in the, if you lose the first first day, do you? Who do they knows? Kill I mean, there's dang, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Who knows? If they, they should make it, at least for pipe, because that would be fun, but for sure it's not. So all, all Philippe has to do is lose the first day and get to, uh, get to a smaller day and put some, put some heats under the belt. Look, I, I mean, honestly, I don't see Philippe surviving, even if it's a smaller day. Like, there's so many great barrel riders on smaller days. Kanoa, Igarashi. Michelle Perez, uh, Kyle Abelli, Jack Robinson. Like there's just this endless supply of guys. Unless the waves are shreddable down the beach, Felipe is not an interest to me. He's not going to be in the top 10. Have you been, have you been stalking Kolohe and Dino? Uh, no, I have not. And maybe that's an oversight on my part. Yeah. Are you, are you thinking that Kolohe's I mean, what if Chloe comes out super strong? What he should. Sticks his, sticks his, plants his flag in the year. Says, this is my year, 2020. He, he really should. To be honest, he's dropped a couple of edits from at home. I think it was a two-part series. The guy's form is unbelievable. I mean, there's no holes in his game, really. So, and he was a world title contender last year. He's been on the ascent. So, yeah, I mean, he should be a guy to watch, I would think. There, Talking about this pro surfing again, there is a fine crop with John John again back healthy, Idolo and Gabe going to be dominant for sure. Kolohe having a good run last year or his best run ever. Uh, who else? Who else? Noah. Kanoa Igarashi. Yeah, exactly. So that that this is a a top heavy as a draw or a, a upcoming season as I can remember. Totally. And like, Jordy, Jordy Smith kind of has one fa- one final year or two until yeah. we completely give up hope on him. And he was a world title contender last year. Kelly Slater is absolutely going to throw everything at this year because who knows how much longer his body will even hold out for this. That, that's the only thing that I can, I feel I can relatively cert- or pretty certainly say that Kelly will surf not very well. Uh, for the so, season or for pipe? I'm going to say the whole season. I'm going to say he'll surf well for himself and it'll be fine enough. But compared to the talent, I just don't know how he can do it. He, he hasn't done it in the last few years. And this year it seems even better. It seems um, even more, more talent. So he's been surfing nonstop. We know this in Bali uh, through COVID for like months on end, which I think is more than can be said for a lot of other people, uh, a lot of other people on tour. And if the waves are big at pipe, you can never bet against him, no matter how old he gets. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Well, last year, what did he do made, at pipe he, last year? He made the semis last year. Oh, yeah. He did good. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your survival league, league pick? My survival league pick has got to be John Florence. Well, then you can't use him for the rest of the year. Yeah, but... Uh... You only get to pick an athlete for one event. And then you can't use them anymore. And John John's never won pipe. How great is that format? It's really good. I mean, sometimes the flaws are apparent in hindsight, but just looking at it from the outset, it looks simple. It's just so, I mean, instead of your dang point tabulation and all that, it's simple, it's easy, it's easy to understand, and there's real money to win. Yeah, I put in, I 
contributed my 20 bucks on Tuesday and I set up my uh, pick for pipe. Um, so the way it works for listeners is 20 bucks buys you the whole entry into the whole season and you only get to pick one surfer per event and you don't get to pick that surfer through any event for the rest of the season. So it might seem obvious to pick somebody like Idolo going into pipe because he won last year. He's the defending world champ, but you yeah, might want Idolo for France or for Portugal, you know, or somewhere else down the line where there's less clear winner. So you, Jeremy, Jeremy Flores, for example, would be a good pick for pipe because you're not going to want him for anywhere else on tour, but he's a two-time pipe master. Who did you, who did you pick? Did you pick J flow? That's a good I, idea. Actually. I don't want to say because what if listeners then pick based on my, uh, my suggestion. That's true. Well, you could, you could throw some smoke here though. If you want. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell uh, them to okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to rethink my pick now. I've not locked my pick in yet. Okay. Uh, well, for listeners, listeners should get in. And by the way, do you have a referral code for Beach Grit or how does that work? Shoot, no, but I'll, if you, I'll send you something. I'll send you the story. Um, well, listeners, where can they find it? Beachgrit.com? It's at Beachgrit, yeah. If you just yeah. Google surf, surf Vival, Surf, S-U-R-F, Vival League. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about pipe, not even mentioning that the Maui pro starts on the women's side tomorrow. Hey. Oh, actually. Sure. Yeah. It's supposed to be huge surf, right? Like maybe uncontestably big. Yeah. Uh, definitely swells on the way. Uh, are you excited about that? Have you even thought about it at all? I've thought about it a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Honolulu and I think what, I have to see it first to get excited, to be honest. Yeah. Like I'm kind of excited to see Tyler Wright again. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see Steph Gilmore. Uh, I'll be really excited when Sierra Kerr gets on tour. It's funny. I, I try to assess why there's so much less excitement related to that event than there is for us talking about pipe. We could talk about pipe endlessly, you know? And the Maui event, it's like, oh, it's pretty. The wave is really pretty, and I would love to surf it. It's kind of a flawless wave. But I think the detail of what's lacking is drama. It's like, yeah, I want to yeah. watch Steph surf, and I want to – I'm actually really interested. Caroline Marks has become kind of my favorite woman surfer on tour and off tour too. Um, so I want to watch her surf, but there's no drama. Like I want her to like shoot – an arrow across the bow at Stephanie and be like, I'm coming for you. Yeah. I'm here to stake my claim. There really is no drama. And then to have it on a, a as you say, a beautiful, but undramatic wave. Yeah. I think the, so yeah, once I see it, once I see some clips from it, I'll be like, Oh, well that's beautiful. And that's fun. And we got, you know, pro surfing back. I'll tune in for sure. The, the day it runs, but, or the first day it runs or I'll it's, try. Yeah. So the drama is related to the swell, maybe. Like, who's going to really perform in maxed out Honolulu? Do you think and the runner is maxed out, though? If it's maxed out, if it's, like, closing out, I don't know no, if no, Honolulu closes out, but... If it's, if like, it's, big, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what they'll do. They have to run it. If it's if it's giant, perfect Honolulu, they have to run it. Yeah. Uh, we'll absolutely call the WSL out if they don't. Uh, but to be honest, who's going to step up? Like I could see Courtney Conlog. I could see Tatiana Weston Webb. I, there's a couple that would 
not necessarily win the event if it was just six foot because you could put your money on Steph or Carissa or Tyler. But I think there's opportunities for some of the other girls to take advantage of the bigger surf. And again, Tatiana Weston Webb comes to mind. Courtney, certainly. If there is a, like there was last year on the men's side uh, or whenever surfing was last, um, I guess it was last year, wasn't it? It was yeah. last year at this time we were talking about pipe. Uh, but on the women's side, if it's like neck and neck, Steph, Tyler, and um, Carissa, maybe Carissa coming down the line of the season. Uh, do you think the WSL, how do you think that plays out? Do you think they play up like, I mean, cause you gotta have some, there, there was one of the men in that, whatever five it was last year, whatever, like these storylines had some baked in real, you know, competitive, maybe dislike for each other. Uh, possibly, at least that was sort of, could have been, yeah, I could, you could, could have thought that. On the women, it just seems like they're all pretty, pretty good bros. I think they need to start baking it in now. I would start yeah. spreading rumors. If I was the WSL, you know how like reality shows, the producers actually like, oh, the two girls are going to dinner tonight. Well, they tell one of the girls that the dinner's at five and the other one, they tell it's at six. So when the girl shows up at six, the other girl's pissed. Like, I was here since five o'clock. Where have you been? And it was the producers that did that. I feel, I feel they have a wonderful opportunity with Tyler, Tyler Wright's Black Lives Matter statement where one of the girls' surfers, maybe it's Courtney Conlog, needs to really step up in MAGA. She needs to straight up go. It is Courtney because she's Huntington Beach. Exactly. And just say, look, it, I don't even care anymore. I am proud of my heritage, et cetera, et cetera, all the baked in dog whistly things and just really start going really. So then they could have a war between BLM and MAGA. I agree. We need to start the gossip now. Actually, yeah. I think the article should be, uh, the news should break on beach grit. Yeah. Courtney, Courtney's gotta be mag, right? There's no way she's not mag. Who knows, let's, dude? Let's, let's just assume. She yeah, is. she is a hundred percent. She is. I heard from the, <laughs> my inner circle in Huntington beach. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so WSL, Maui Pro starts tomorrow and then Pipeline starts on Tuesday. So by the time you and I record next, we will have lots to catch up on. Sir, actual surf news. Actual Bottom surf. of the barrel, done, scra- done being scraped. Totally. Uh, all right. Shall we? Actually, you know what? I'm not putting commercials in until next week. So there's no need for us to take a commercial break right now. Let's not. Let's just keep going. Let's go straight to barrel or not. Let's do it. Exciting. Uh, the first two barrel or nas came from a listener through Instagram. So I'm going to give you the barrel or nah and then I'm going to read his explanation of it. He said, barrel or nah, mullets. Been noticing more servers with them. I gave myself one during quarantine and I'm a generally a nah unless you're, um, unless you've continuously had one since the 80s or you're a Scandinavian soccer player. Mullets. I totally agree exactly with that assessment. I say funny haircuts on men older than 23 are ill-advised. Like doing something because you think is not a good luck, not cool. I'm even going to kick Mikey Wright straight under the bus of not cool, bro. Like you are being dumbly funny and really 
obtusely, it's just not, it's not a good look. So unless you are Scandinavian, and I'll, I'll, I will even branch that out to uh, Hick German. If you're, I'm gonna give all Eastern Europe, you can have mullets, like that's a Russians, you can do it. It's a legit still hairstyle for many people. It has not been for us. And the fact that it became a laughingstock thing makes it, makes it a definite nah, unless you fall into the protected category, Eastern German, Russian, Scandi. Other, other uh, submission for protected category. Middle America mom lives in a trailer park. For sure. And I mean, which, which I suppose he added that protected category of if you've had one continuously since the 80s. Okay, so now, now we're going to have to have an ongoing theme, which is protected category for, maybe, the, maybe we expand it. We have protected category for mullets, but maybe there's protected category for having a front uh, traction pad on a surfboard. We could do it yep. for that. Yeah, for sure. Pro- protected yep. category for uh, white wetsuits. Yep. If you're a tiny little Tasmanian, you can have a front traction pad. That's a protected category. If you do three foot straight airs, you can have a front traction yeah. pad. Yeah, great. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. protected category is a, is a nice, it's great. I'm I like thankful it. to the Instagram user for bringing this up. Uh, if you have three world titles, you could wear a white wetsuit. Ooh, I'm going to say you have to have four. Okay. So Mark Richards and Kelly Slater can wear one and Stephanie Gilmore. That's it. MR, Steph, and Kelly. Perfect. Yeah. Gabriel, keep trying. John, John, keep trying. Yep. All right, cool. So mullets, uh, we're going no in general. Here's the thing. I agree with you. Protect a category. I see a mullet in the wild sometime and I look at the person, I make the assessment and I go, you know what? They don't know any better, and it kind of suits their overall lifestyle, probably. Oh, fine. So, yeah, so I'm kind of no judgment, but the novelty mullet, I stopped laughing at long ago. Exactly. The novelty mullet is no longer even remotely funny, no, nor no. is it shocking or anything. It just shows you have a bad sense of humor, Mikey. Totally. Right? Totally. You in the bad sense of humor category. Um, now, one caveat to this is what if you do have long hair? and maybe quarantine is part of the equation and you just cut your hair into the funny style for 24 hours and then you cut it off tomorrow. No, because it's not a very funny joke. What if you have a crisp or a uh, Halloween party to go to and it fits the costume? I suppose if you're, if that's what, if you're going as Billy Ray Cyrus to Halloween, then that's fine. Okay. But, but here's another caveat if you really want to cut a mullet to be funny and then you pick a Halloween costume to go as that has a mullet, that is no longer funny. If Got it. you really want it to go as Billy Ray and then you happen to have long hair and so you cut a mullet, great. If you want to cut a mullet and then pick Billy Ray to go as, not cool. What if you use an American Eagle's talons to cut your mullet? That's okay. Okay, cool. That's protected. That's protected category. Got it. <laughs> All right. Barrel or not, number two, drinking in the shower. I would said I would have said nah, but ha- after having an ocean view shower at a vacation rental in Hawaii, the post-serve shower drinking is totally barrel for me. And now I drink at home in the shower too, despite my wife's attempts at shaming. So drinking in the shower. Is he meaning a cocktail or a beer or is this an alcoholic beverage? It's think? an alcoholic beverage for sure. 
I'm going to say no in the same way I don't like to drink in the hot tub. Uh, I feel I don't like water outside, water inside. This is just me. Like, I hear what he's saying, uh, but the too much water, water going in, water being out, feels just too much water for me. Or too much, I shouldn't say water, too much liquid. Fascinating. Yeah. What about you? Do you like to have a drink in the hot tub? Uh, so I've never thought about the hot tub drink. And as you're saying it, I don't think I enjoy it. I do always implement it. And then it's like awkwardly positioned behind sure. me and I'm worried somebody's going to kick it. And usually the um, ground around the hot tub, it's like not level, you know? So the drink is always kind of at and risk also, of falling. And also it's rapidly heating. Like unless yeah. you're, unless you're drinking a hot toddy in the hot tub, which maybe I'll make that a protected class in this scenario. If you're drinking a hot alcoholic beverage, but let's be honest, there's like two hot alcoholic beverages that anybody drinks ever, right. you know, eggnog and, but then also- Eggnog's, eggnog's cold. Uh, yeah, but can't you do a hot nog? No way. Hot, hot dairy drink? Well, I guess, yeah, they oh, do I'm hot dairy drinks. Hot toddies and whatever, in any case. Wassel. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. But no, I'm going to say, so I'm saying no barrel again, because just unless you're taking a freeze, yeah, no, there's too many, too many problems for me. Okay. Too, too much liquid. Uh, if it's hot liquid, it's heating your drink, which is probably typically not a hot drink. Uh, none of it's good. If you're in the shower, it's going to get diluted. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I don't even, and also I don't want to pound a beer in the shower. <laughs> like I want to shower quickly and then get out and drink and a beer. And you generally aren't going to drink a beer anyways. You're going to have a cocktail. So it's a wide mouth just, vodka glass getting soaked and diluted in your shower filth. It's really gross. Yeah. I no think for, for me, this is a problem of um, cleanliness more than anything else. It's kind of like I am in the shower to purge the filth that is on me. And I don't need to be ingesting any sort of nutrients or liquid while I'm in there purging. The other thing too, I think a, a side issue here is the listener did something on the islands that worked on the islands. Very rarely are you allowed to import things from the island here. For example, so on the true. islands, you can wear shorts and flip-flops and unbuttoned you know, Hawaiian shirts. You can wear all manner of things on the island. You can do all kinds of stuff there. You can live your island lifestyle you do not import that back to California or wherever you live in the United States of America on the mainland. You go back to your thing that you do here. Importing island things is a not barrel. Totally agree. This is a great point. We are tearing this guy down, punching him in the mullet and slapping, <laughs> slapping his shower beverage out of his hand. <laughs> I side with his wife personally. Um, his wife makes an excellent point as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Uh, but you really, so you really uh, identified something for me about the hot tub, the hot tub thing, which is every single time I'm getting in a hot tub, I'm like, this is the perfect location for a beverage. And yet every time I have this uh, internal conflict in my head where I'm like, ah, this isn't really working out. It doesn't, it's not the right environment for it, but I've never connected the dots that I should just not do it in the future. I try to implement it every time. You don't, yeah, you just don't drink in the hot tub. Also, Gosh. the the kind of booze hit you get 
from drinking in a hot tub is weird. Like it puts it, goes straight to your head in a kind of weird, uncomfortable way. It's just not, it's not a, it's not the place for the drink. You get out, towel off, you cool your core temperature down a bit, and then you pour yourself a drink. Honestly, who can sit in a hot tub for more than 10 minutes anyways? I'm not a hot tubber full stop. Like yeah, I, I don't get in, it, like the only time I will really do hot tub is uh, like ski, ski vacation with snow around, jump in the hot tub. That's kind of fun for a minute. But other than that. I mean, not- 10, 10 minutes is a long time. I said 10, but I mean, five minutes. I'm over it. I'm, I'm, I can go like three minutes buried to the shoulder. Then I have to get up and sit on the edge and just dangle my legs in. That's my typical. And then, you get, and then you get too cold within three minutes too. Like you honestly have to like, there needs to be the mid-step or you, you sit on the entry steps on the one where it's like your navel is covered, but your yeah. chest is exposed. That's yeah. the only comfortable temperature in a hot tub. Which is not, and that's not like, there's so many better places to sit and spend your time than on the top step of a hot tub. By the way, as far as I'm concerned, all hot tubs have a flawed design by making the main seat way too low. They I should be where that step is. Who wants to be buried? Who like who can weirdos? Take- Probably swingers yeah. and stuff. You know, for sure. That's why swingers uh, have hot tubs. Yeah, protected Ooh. protected hot tub category swingers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stewing in their filth either. Like, no, no but know? they want to. That's yeah, exactly what they want to be. All right, final barrel or not. This is not from a listener. This is relevant to the season. Fake Christmas trees. Ooh, uh, funny you ask. Funny you should ask. Because you guys yes. bought one? No, but just last evening, was out eating sushi. Could still do that in uh, North County, San Diego. Out in the outdoor tent eating sushi. On the t- television at the neighboring restaurant, uh, a big widescreen TV was like NBC's Rockefeller Center Christmas special, which was just absolutely mockable. Like, you know, there's nobody in the audience, the singers are out there singing to nobody. And the lineup was like the Goo Goo Dolls. And oh gosh. Yeah, Megan Trainer. I mean, it was just, the whole thing was, was laughable. I couldn't hear any sound like we were, you know, outside, it was inside, but it was like sort of mesmerizingly bad. And then they go to where they got the Rockefeller Christmas tree from, uh this year it was some small town in somewhere looked like and again couldn't hear so don't know but small town upstate new york let's say uh this giant beautiful tree was growing in their town square and out comes the chainsaw <laughs> they showed it all the all the townspeople like happy about it stuff. so they just this tree was a beautiful tree taken out of town square for the first time, I thought, why the hell just don't, they should have a stupid fake tree at Rockefeller Center, which made yeah. me open up my heart to the idea of a fake Christmas tree. So I'm going to say barrel. I love the real Christmas tree for the house. I love the way it smells. I'm a real Christmas tree guy, but they should have fake Christmas trees at Rockefeller Center. And a lot of places should have fake Christmas trees. It would make their life a lot easier. Yeah. And uh, better. What? Wait, so the small town, were they proud that their tree was going or were they pissed? No, I think they, it seemed on TV, NBC wouldn't have shown the pissed ones, I don't think. It seemed like everybody was really proud. There was only like, you know, a social distance, 10 people, but right. standing around like, yeah, they looked like they were cheering as the, but they totally showed, I could see NBC, I don't know what the producers were thinking, because I'd have to think, I'm no tree hugger, but I would, it was like, whoa, what are they doing? Right. Like, I don't know why they didn't cut from the tree in the 
town, like all the people cheering, and then basically cut to Rockefeller Center, and here it is now. But no, they showed the chainsaws coming out, just sawdust, the tree's blood being spread. You there? You froze a little bit. I'm here. Okay, cool. Uh, I also don't understand why they had to cut the the tree in the middle of the town. Why not go to the outskirts where there's thousands of trees and just pull one of those? I'm assuming that they maybe the tree was planted years ago to become the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Yeah. I don't exactly, I mean, it was so in the middle of town that it had to be something more uh, a reason why that was the tree. Uh, but for Barrel or Naw, you're anti fake trees for the house. I'm anti fake trees for the house. Like, there's, plan, there's, a whole, there's a whole Christmas tree farm industry, right? It's not like they're going in the forest cutting Christmas trees. I feel that Kelly Slater is going to come swinging in and get mad at me for saying this, but I feel it's like, environmentally cool right like you yeah a tree in the house and you pitch it in the i think it maybe heats up if i recall heats up landfills or something but whatever i cut my christmas tree, excuse me I cut my christmas tree into little bits and throw it in the greenways so yeah so i think the whole ritual like uh things have meaning based on the amount of energy that you put into them and the ritual of christmas is all that Christmas is like getting excited for it, planning gifts for your people, your loved ones that you're going to give, going through the effort of going to wait in line to get them those gifts. All of that resets your values in life for what is meaningful to you and what you're grateful for and all of that. And I feel like the Christmas tree kicks off the season and the ritual of going to do it on a cold night and carrying it. And like you said, once it's in the house, the smell, and all of that is the experience. The idea of going to Costco and then storing it in your garage or wherever and having it just completely, it is the wave pool to the ocean surfing experience to me. I totally hear you. Protected class, Rockefeller Center. True. I'm fine with that. That's it. Or, or any shopping center. I see like sure. the ones in our local shopping centers. Those are fake, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to be real. It's not like, no. it's only the look and stuff. It's not like it's smelling of pine in the shopping center. Uh, I, so do you have a tree yet? Not yet. Do you? Yeah. We just got it Monday, Monday night. Okay. Should have, probably should have gone Monday. I feel, I feel well, I'm blowing, leaving these days on the, leaving these days on the shelf. Exactly. You really are, especially with kids in the house, but I mean, probably go I knew, this, probably go on Saturday. I knew a couple of people that did it uh, Thanksgiving weekend, which I thought was an disaster like don't go that's going to be the most crowded weekend if you want to avoid the crowds go monday we went monday but i had a little scenario that i'll replay to you i've traditionally bought my trees at home depot yeah and you know six to seven foot tree or whatever you're looking at i think the price has climbed over the years you're looking at about 60 to 70 maybe 80 bucks right does that sound right yeah. So this year we're en route to Home Depot and we pass the local, you know, private uh, Christmas tree lot. And my girlfriend, who we're living together now since April, is like, oh, let's just pull in there. And I'm like, in my head, my first thought is, I don't know, I just feel like it's going to be more expensive than Home Depot, right? And, but look, we're living together. I don't want to be the cheapskate. And this is more convenient. And I think part of being a couple 
And that life is like you sacrifice, you know, you spend a little bit more for convenience sometimes. When I was single, no problem. I'll just drive the extra twice the distance to Home Depot. So we go in there and no, no prices are listed. We grab the tree, six to seven foot tree, take it up, $105 plus the stand. We're out the door for $160. Yeah, of course. The, uh, the tree from the lot, I've, I learned this a long time ago or in, in the marriage, at least I've learned this, but the, the family likes to go to the lot. And so that's what it is. But uh, so what you have to do is reprogram of you're paying for the lot experience. And I, if I recall something, there was something bad about Home Depot trees. Like they're using Cambodian children or something to cut them <laughs> down or something, something like that. Um, that's funny. I don't, I never read that story and I don't think that sounds accurate. So <laughs> I feel okay with buying my tree at Home Depot, but the funny thing was like, while I was having this internal conflict where I was like 160 bucks for a tree, like, I don't think I've ever paid more than 80. I mean, 80 at the max after tax and everything, you know? So this is double in my head. This is double. As I was having this internal consternation, I looked over at her face and she was traumatized by it too. And she's just like, are we getting ripped off? And I was like, yeah, a hundred percent we're getting ripped off. So then we're trying to convince one another. We're like, yeah, but this was right around the corner from the house. And you know, there's nobody here. Supporting local business. Are we though? The people that work there feel like they're using it to buy drugs. I mean, for sure. I think it's the same people who work in carnivals. I mean, they, they have the, I think they do the pumpkin patch and then they do the Christmas tree thing and then they get their carnival work through the summer. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So in the end, I'm happy to have the tree in the house. I've swallowed the price. It's not, not going to break us. So I'm okay with it, but I'm also thrilled that it's not a plastic tree. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll probably hit the lot Saturday. I'm going to say. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Chaz. Well, this has been a spectacular episode recorded on zoom via, I mean, we're 400 miles away, I would say. So I'm glad that this was able to work out. Just had to be, had to be. Glad you were able to surf. Oh, me too. Uh, anything else that you want to announce or direct people's attention to? No. Did you sure. see a huge spike in book sales last week after you Ooh. gave them an, uh, chapter I two? I didn't look. Okay. I did not look. I should have looked. Well, they can get that for a Christmas gift at any time. Yeah. All right, beachgrid.com at surfjournalist. Surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you go to subscribe. I'll also put a hyperlink in your show notes. You can just do it on your phone. It'll take you literally 60 seconds to support the work and invest in the future. Epic. Chaz, I'll see you next Thursday at Album Surfboards. Very exciting. All right, until then. Get there.